You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 232 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, and I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going? We got trade deadline coming up. It's uh, Nuit Blanche in Montreal. Very timely, the sleepless night, but uh, perhaps that sleepless night for the Montreal Canadiens is coming uh, next uh, next week, maybe Thursday night. It's a little chilly out there today, and it, at least in Montreal. And yeah. uh, I, I could say something silly about you know the the trade deadline heating up, rumors heating up, the action. I I won't say any of that, but we're getting kind of excited about the potential. Yes, yes, yes. We've heard about Kent Hughes, you know, trying to tamp down expectations, but um, let's hope that he has something up his sleeve. Yeah, still a few things he can do, and uh, we'll get a deep dive on that in segment two uh, when we get to our uh, big topic segment. Uh, just before that, here in segment one, uh, we'll get everyone up to date with everything Montreal Canadiens. A couple games played this past week uh, and some updates on the Habs prospects. Then segment three, we have our Canadiens Connection question of the week. Who must go? Bottom line. Who does Kent Hughes need to trade by next Friday? We want to hear from you and uh, Rick, those interested in answering that question or just reaching out to us in general. What's the best way to do so? We're Rocket Sports, so we've set up a Rocket Sports text line. 5853-ROCKET, 585-PUNCH IT OUT ON YOUR on your um, little MACHINE THERE, 3-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET, WHICH TURNS OUT TO BE 585-376-2538, AND YOU CAN SEND US A TEXT 24 HOURS A DAY. You can also engage with us on social media. You can give uh, at Habs Connection a follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, we have a website, CanadiansConnection.com. This past week, we had three games. Uh, Please make sure you check out our comprehensive game previews and post-game recaps for every Montreal Canadiens game at allhabs.net. 
And the number five was very important for this week. Uh, if we want to go all the way back to February the 18th, Toronto scores five, Montreal scores one. The debut of Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari in a Maple Leafs uniform. Uh, Josh Anderson scored the lone goal for Montreal, but uh, the Leafs simply looked like the better team here. Yeah, it it wasn't it wasn't particularly close, and um, um, you know who knew John Tavares would uh, like the wings so much, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, this this was um, th- this was kind of expected uh, looking at the at the two lineups, and it it more or less played out how you might expect. The next game did not quite play out how we expected uh, on the 21st of February Montreal scores five and New Jersey scores two uh, I mentioned that number five that's going to be reoccurring still uh, bounce back game for Montreal uh, the Devils actually outshot the Habs 40 to 18 but a uh, bad night for uh, goalie Vitek Vanacek he just could not get the job done and uh, you know what Montembeau looked pretty good he did, um, and and it, and good for him uh, because he had been struggling for about a month. Um, uh, he had lost three of his previous four starts. Uh, his save percentage was eight eighty one. Um, I, I know there's a lot of enthusiasm, um, particularly in the Montreal media, for for Sam, and and um, you know he's been up and down and and had good starts and bad throughout the season, uh, but this one was a particularly good one. Uh, as as New Jersey um, uh, controlled the play and 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 looked very good, well, uh, looked very good. At, you know they were wearing their reverse retros uh, that night too, so maybe maybe that was the problem. They're suffering from a reverse retro curse. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, a couple days later, uh, February the twenty fourth, uh, to round out the number five here, Montreal scores five and Philadelphia gets two. The debut of Chris Tierney in a Habs uniform. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about him later, but he did get on get uh, on the board, scoring his first goal as a Hab in this one. And I guess uh, Martin Saint Louis uh, teaches a lesson to his old mentor John Tortorella. Boy, the Flyers looked, they looked dead. They looked uh, sluggish. Um, they were second to, to pucks. Um, they, were, they were being beaten uh, all over the ice and, and, uh, and really didn't look good. Um, and, and good for the Canadians that, uh, you know, John Tortorella called them quick all over the ice. They were. Um, and um, the, the Flyers, dismal, dismal. It was the Flyers' 10th loss in their, their last 13 games. And they look like they're on a bit of a downward spiral. So the Canadians' record is now 25, 29, and 4. That's 54 points and 26th in the NHL. Uh, so a couple wins this past week. Uh, you're certainly optimistic, but uh, I think uh, we're both hoping that uh, they come down to earth a little and uh, help out that tank. So um, make sure you check out the Habs notepad and Habs features as posts appear regularly at allhabs.net. There were some injury updates this past week, starting things off with Sean Monaghan. He was not at practice on Thursday or the game day skate on Friday. Uh, does not look like good news for him. Uh, Monaghan will uh, circle back to him uh, when we start talking about our trade deadline preview. Yeah, it's, um, you know, there's been a couple of false starts where things have looked good. He's shown improvement and then... Uh, as Marty St. Louis said um, last week, plateaued perhaps. Um, 
it hasn't been hasn't hasn't appeared um, and no news. He, he was left off the medical update that the Canadians uh, released at the end of the week. Chris Weidman was added to the IR list on Thursday with an upper body injury. Uh, currently, he's considered week to week. Weidman hurt himself at the skills competition that happened last Sunday. Yeah, it, it seems that way, although the Canadians uh, later said that that he was injured uh, in, a, in a game prior, because that sounded bad, was injured in a game prior to the skills competition, but they let him go ahead and participate in the skills competition. Well, sounds a bit murky. Um, but anyway, uh, he is uh, he won't be available for a bit. Kirby Doc's uh, absence was reclassified from an illness to a lower body injury. Bit of a curious news. Uh, I don't know what to make of this, but uh, it doesn't look like we're going to get Kirby Doc back anytime soon. Speaking of murky, um, yeah, they, they said that his his reported, the symptoms that he was reporting sounded like an illness, but when they did further tests, they discovered a lower body injury that they didn't realize was, was there. I, I think uh, given the number of injuries that the Canadians have had this season, um, and and these kind of quirky things that have come up um, that that uh, Jeff Molson has said had said um, when um, when Gorton was hired that there would be uh, a review of the medical staff and of, of injuries uh, that that really hasn't been done yet. I expect that that's going to happen this offseason. The team reported that Joel Edmondson's rehab is progressing well. Uh, we will await further updates on that. Uh, it would be nice to see him play in a game or two before the trade deadline, if it's possible. Um, in, in, and in addition to reporting that uh, he was progressing well, they said uh, there would be a further update on his, on the timeline at the end of the week. We're kind of getting to the end of the week, and we haven't heard about that just yet. Yoel Armia left Tuesday's game with an illness. Uh, he did not play on Friday. Uh, the injury bug really just seems to be hitting this team hard as we lead up to the trade deadline, isn't it? They specify a non-COVID illness, but uh, an illness nonetheless. And and uh, uh, as we as we are recording, we have no news on whether he'll be available against the Senators or not. So perhaps some good news here. Caden Gooley practiced with his teammates in a regular jersey on Friday. Uh, would be really nice to get him back with all uh, the other injuries going on. For sure. It's good news. Um, usually, uh, they, they like, the Canadians like to see um, the, the players come back, participate in a non-contact in, um, uh, jersey, then go to a, a, a couple of practices or practice with a, uh, with a, con- with a regular jersey. Um, Marty St. Louis said that, that, uh, Gooley participated on Friday in a game day skate. So he said that wasn't, that wasn't good enough yet for him to play, won't play against uh, the Ottawa Senators. They're going to wait till they get him in a full practice. Um, and, um, and whether he'll participate when the Canadians go on the road, um, next week, um, is, is certainly a possibility. But the Habs did bring in a reinforcement uh, forward. Chris Tierney was claimed off of waivers on Thursday from the Florida Panthers. Tierney made his debut with the Habs on Friday, scored his first goal, actually looked pretty decent. Uh, 
Uh, this is a move that makes a lot of people speculate that Doc probably isn't on his way back anytime soon, but that's just speculation at this point. Uh, even though Tierney looked good in his debut, uh, I watched Tierney for a while, going back to his days in the Sharks. Uh, I thought his time in the Sharks, he was a decent middle six guy. Uh, then he was traded to Ottawa. He looked great next to Mark Stone. Since then, not so great. He's kind of a slower skater, a little bit slow to read the play. I don't expect a ton from him going forward, but uh, it's nice to have a body in the mix. I think you'd look pretty good next to Mark Stone. Um, that's yep. that's kind of <laughs> easy to do, right? Yeah. Um, so, so yes, uh, he's he uh, in Florida. Um, he he's only played uh, thirteen games, uh, three points there. Um, has been on waivers twice uh, this year. First, uh, first go round, uh, he cleared waivers. Um, Twenty games uh, with the Charlotte Checkers, their AHL uh, affiliate, um, and and there was uh, there were some injury issues as well. There was a concussion this year. Um, reached out to our dear friend, the AHL guru Patrick Williams, and asked him, um, you know. Uh, Tierney has has uh, what is it 500 games of of NHL 575 games of NHL experience. How did he look in the um, in the AHL with Charlotte? And um, to summarize, Patrick, I think kind of underwhelming uh, that you'd expect that he would uh, play a little bit better in the AHL and and uh, at at that level and and uh, and and a little bit underwhelmed. Um, so um, if that if if all of that combined between uh, what Michael has said and and Patrick and and our own observations, um, I think that that his performance against the Flyers was a bit of an aberration, um, mm-hmm. but but um, you know a, a body, um, someone who can kill penalties, someone who can take faceoffs, uh, and he'll be with the Canadians for now. Yeah, face-offs, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more for a different player coming up soon. But uh, first, uh, we're going to get to our winners and losers. And now it's time for this week's Winners and Losers on the Canadian's Connection. Thank you, Amy. Love the stinger there. Uh, So winners and losers, we brought this back last week. Uh, We're not limiting it to just the Montreal Canadiens. It could be literally anything is fair game for this. Uh, And Rick, I'll uh, start with you for your loser of the week. Well, I stayed within the Montreal Canadiens organization, um, let's say. Um, and and this is a collective award uh, to Laval Rockets goaltending, um, which it, it, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It has been awful this year. Um, and you have Kevin Poulin and Caden Primo, for the most part, um, manning the goal. And, um, you know, last night, um, we're going to get to the, the, the recap of, of last night's game in a minute, but... Um, each goaltender gave up four goals. Uh, they lost to Rochester. Um, Rochester scored eight. Um, they've they've had a, a really tough um, go of it. And and you know I hate to say uh, we told you so, but there was a lot of people making a lot of noise about Caden Primo after last year's um, uh, playoffs uh, that L- Laval Rocket. And I kept saying, I kept warning. Um, that the Laval had the best defense 
in the American Hockey League, and it made Caden Primo look good uh, every night. Um, and, uh, you know, folks were, exp- uh, were creating false expectations that w- weren't going to be able to be fulfilled this season. Um, and, and we honestly hoped that, that th- th- he would have a good season, that he would take over the net two-thirds of the time and put forth a strong season. And it just hasn't happened. Uh, if we look at um, goals against average um, amongst AHL goaltenders, Caden Primo sits 49th at 3.36 with a 900 um, save percentage. Um, if we look at, at Kevin Poulin, he's 43rd, so n- not much better at, at 319 and an 888 save percentage. Goaltending has been a huge issue in Laval all season. It's a huge issue with the organization, um, goaltending as a whole. And um, just to reinforce the fact, there's not a lot coming and um, on the way. And and that's going to be an area where the, uh, the, the management is going to have to address um, at some point. And uh, my loser for this week uh, ties in nicely with Laval. It's uh, Alex Belzeal. Uh Since being called up, I know initially when he was called up, there was a little bit of hype around him and uh, Harvey Pinard and how well they were playing in a fourth-line role. I think he's really come down to earth after the first couple games. Uh, he seems like a guy that struggles to get the puck out of his own zone. Uh, I've watched him make many clearing attempts that have just failed and above anything else, I think face-offs are not going well for him. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. Here's my tie-in. His face-off percentage in the NHL this season, 41.46%. And to me, that is inexcusable. That in itself is worth sending him back down to Laval. Uh, even outside of that, I don't think he's really been able to add anything to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, i yeah, I hope that uh, Montreal gets some uh, bodies back soon so that he can uh, go back to the American League and uh, play with the Rocket instead of being up with the big club. And Alex Belzeal, his whole career has been one of those uh, in-betweeners, uh, but not in between the AHL and, and NHL, in between the ECHL and AHL. He's way out of his depth uh, being up with the big club um, he's, he, even when he was uh, with Laval, he takes penalties at the worst times, not a great leader, uh, a little bit divisive in the, in the locker room. Um, and it's interesting as, as, um, you know, as, as I'm putting together re- the recaps, I go through the, the photos, um, all the, the, the terrific photos that are taken, um, by the photographers, uh, with looking, uh, to, to include something in the recap. And every game, there's a photo of Alex Belzeal's back looking at the goal scorer. And that happened again last night, <laughs> um, uh, even, even uh, in, the, in the Canadians' uh, uh, dominant victory. Um, again, uh, he's, he's poor in his, in his own zone. Um, the, the, the face-offs against um uh, he's actually come up because uh, last last night against um philadelphia he had a good night but he was zero for 11 at the face-off dot uh against new jersey um and i believe i fully believe uh that 
that that performance and the fact that he's not very good on the penalty kill is is what led to uh, the Canadians going out and bringing in Chris Tierney, who can play a center position, who can kill uh, penalties, and and who can take faceoffs. Yeah, I agree with all of that. But uh, enough uh, being uh, doom and gloomy here. Let's get to our positives. We'll do the winners of the week, and uh, I'll start with mine. And our listeners might not think that this is a positive. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm giving uh, my winner of the week award to the Boston Bruins for the trade they made. Uh, They brought in Garnett Hathaway and uh, Dmitry Orlov. Uh, the Bruins right now, best team in the league. They could be breaking some records uh, this season, and they made a trade in which I don't think they gave up anything overly important, and they got better. Uh, Hathaway, if I were to think about what uh, the identity is of a Boston Bruin, I think Hathaway is perfectly suited for that. And uh, Dmitry Orlov, he's someone I liked quite a, quite a bit with uh, the Washington Capitals. Maybe a bit of an underrated defenseman, but uh, he fits in perfectly with them as well. We're not going to talk about which record that they have uh, the potential of, of breaking <laughs> uh, that relates to the Montreal Canadiens and 132 points. Um, a, a great pick, and, and, uh, and I agree they, you know, uh, the best got better, um, and... Uh, and and as you said, didn't give up much. Um, my winner of the week, it, it may seem odd, and, and the two players may seem completely unconnected, but I have co-winners, uh, that being Caden Gooley, who, yes, no, he's not playing right now, um, and Ryan Paling. Ryan Paling traded away to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Interesting that um, the NHL collects often collects more information than, than it shares, uh, but this week revealed the top uh, 10 maximum skating speeds of so far in the 2022 regular season, 2022-2023 uh, regular season. Um, so that would, that would appear to be fastest skater, right? Top maximum skating speed. Uh, but it's different. This isn't the skills competition where, you know, you set up pylons and you do, do laps. This is actual measured game conditions. So the top maximum speed, skating speed, achieved and, and, and recorded during an NHL game. Um, so they've listed the top 10. Now, who might you expect to be on here? Well, Connor McDavid. You might expect Nathan McKinnon to be on here. But there's, there's the 10... Um, uh, registered uh, maximum skating speeds all over 24 miles an hour, um, and and because they're they're measured, they're they're registered. Uh, it, there's an opportunity for a player to be on here more than once because they may have gotten one record, one position, and then another. So Nathan McKinnon, uh, who I mentioned, is on here twice at 24 miles an hour. And 24.02 miles an hour, Nathan McKinnon takes the 8th spot and the 10th spot on the top maximum skating speed list put out by the NHL. Connor McDavid takes the number 6 spot, 24.16. Caden Gooley takes the number 9 spot and the number 4 spot, 24.01 and 24.20. The top spot, the top maximum skating speed this season so far, 24.32 
miles an hour registered in a game, Ryan Paling of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So um, who who would have thunk it, right? Ryan Paling, Caden Gooley um, take three of the positions on on this list. Um, so they, for that reason, they are my winners of the week. Yeah, great pick. Interesting stats too. Uh, you and I talked about it a little bit beforehand. Be nice to see more of these stats come yeah. out from the NHL. <laughs> Absolutely, game conditions uh, for for um, skating speed, for uh, shot speed, all of those kinds of things. Love to see more of this. Absolutely, and uh, I believe you have an update on. Uh, well, I guess a, a newer update for your winner last week. Well, we talked about uh, Carrie Price having lunch uh, with a 17-year-old cancer patient, uh, Justin D. Narzo, and um, it was just before he was going in for surgery. Uh, well, he's had his surgery, uh, and on his Instagram, he posted um, a, a, a reel of him in the hospital bed, and the caption on it is, Be back soon. And he tagged none other than Cole Caulfield because it's it's a very very similar p- uh, picture uh, to what Cole Caulfield uh, posted after um, his shoulder surgery, and so Cole Caulfield also shared it. So great news for Justin. Uh, again, it was a great gesture by Carey Price, and uh, and nice to see the tie-in with Cole Caulfield. Yeah, a great story. Uh, Hoping uh, Justin gets uh, back and recovered uh, as soon as possible. But uh, for now, I think it's a good time to get to our Habs Prospect Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So on uh, this prospect report, uh, we're going to start things off with going through the American Hockey League affiliate, uh, the Laval Rocket, and then we'll get to uh, CHL and NCAA a little bit as well. So the Laval Rocket this past week played three games starting back on February the 18th. Uh, they took a trip to Belleville and they lost five to four. Uh, Philip DeRosier was starting in net for Laval as uh, Kevin Poulin was injured at that time. Normally he's uh, playing in the EC with the Trois-Rivières Lions. Uh, Laval's power play went 0 for 6, but they hang on just long enough to lose in overtime to the Belleville Senators. A couple days later, though, they remained in Belleville, and uh, it seems like the floodgates opened as Laval scores 7 and uh, Belleville only scores 2. Uh, Belleville's goaltender Antoine Bivo got injured very early on, uh, which forced them to put in uh, Flaudel, who's got very limited AHL experience. And uh, Laval took uh, advantage of that. Seven different goal scorers and uh, a nice win for them. A uh, couple days off in between this one, uh, as we move ahead to the 24th of February, Laval takes a trip into Rochester. Primo gets a start, but he's pulled after being scored on four times uh, by the second period. Poulain comes in. Uh, the score is 4-2, to two, and it doubles 8-4 to four Rochester. <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, goaltending not a strong suit for this AHL affiliate, and uh, that seems to be holding true. Yeah, Primo got pulled after 25 minutes, five minutes into the second period. Didn't look good. Uh, Poulain came in, and uh, Rochester scored on their very first shot. Um a bit ugly, um, and Rochester actually then, um, by virtue of the win, leapfrogged um, the Laval Rocket 
in the standings, uh, 52 points to 51, and Rochester has three games in hand. Um, that bumps Lavelle into fifth place, which is out of a, um, what would traditionally have been thought of as a playoff spot. But we remember that uh, during COVID, uh, the AHL went to an expanded uh, playoff system, so there's going to be a play-in round uh, so currently Lavelle is holding on to a, a spot in that play in round to make their way into the playoffs. Um, and, and we'll see how, what, what happens in, in their, uh, they, they played 51 games. We'll see what happens in the remaining, uh, schedule. The Rockets record currently 21, 21, seven and two. That's 23rd in the AHL. And they're going to have some opportunities to gain some ground back on Rochester this coming week. Starting uh, today, Laval's going to take a trip into Toronto, and then on the 1st of March, uh, they come back home, and uh, Rochester is going to visit not only just once, but a couple days later on March the 3rd, Rochester again is going to play against Laval, so hopefully we get some revenge there, and uh, I've mentioned this a few times on previous podcasts, but uh, these two teams play each other a lot, and I expect that it's going to be a very aggressive game. Um, if you have access to the NHL network, uh, Laval and Toronto will be on the NHL uh, network today, Saturday, starting at 4 p.m. Nice. So tune into that. Uh, going to our CHL scoring race for Habs prospects, uh, of course, uh, top of the list is one red hot Riley Kidney. Since being traded to uh, the Gatineau Olympic uh, 17 games ago, He's put up 43 points. Um, he's on a uh, basically two and a half points per game uh, uh, record uh, since uh, being traded to Gatineau. Overall, his point total, 88 points in 48 games. Uh, just absolutely crazy what this kid has been able to do this season. Uh, not too far behind him. Well, I guess maybe a little bit far behind him is a Jared Davidson with the Seattle Thunderbirds, putting up 72 points in 50 games. And, of course, Joshua Waugh, uh, who's played the fewest amount of games uh, between these guys uh, in 42 games. He's put up 71 points. And Joshua Waugh was actually named uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League Player of the Week. Good for Joshua Waugh, um, and 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 amazing for Riley Kidney. I don't think this kid's getting enough attention. Um, when he played uh, for Acadie Bathurst, uh, a point and a half um, a game uh, pace, and, and that was pretty good. But now two and a half uh, points per game uh, with Gatineau. He's been unbelievable, and. Uh, and and is on on his way to uh, uh, for sure a, a hundred point uh, campaign um, on pace for 110 points as we speak. Um, I, I think he's been terrific and and deserves uh, more attention. For sure, uh, I mentioned Joshua Wah named Player of the Week in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, well, uh, this past week he scored six times and added four assists, so he he's certainly had a good week for himself as yep, well. Absolutely. 
Uh, taking a look at the NCAA, uh, we do have a couple Habs prospects uh, playing in that league. Um, Sean Farrell has been on fire recently. It uh, wasn't uh, too many podcasts ago I was talking about Sean Farrell and Lane Hudson being tied for points. Uh, Farrell right now, nine points ahead and two games fewer played. So in 28 games, he has 47 points. Uh, Lane Hudson still having a great season on his own too. In uh, 30 games, he has 38 points. So looking forward to seeing what both of these guys can do going forward. And keep in mind uh, that in the NCAA, uh, they're approaching the end of their regular season um, and uh, and will be then participating in the playoffs. But um, shouldn't be too far away, that uh, maybe a month, that we might see uh, Sean Farrell um, finish the season with the Montreal Canadiens, as uh, Ken Hughes promised. And we'll make sure to keep you up to date on everything to do with Habs prospects. Please be sure to read the content at AHL.Report. Also, listen to and subscribe to The Press Zone as episodes come out weekly every Tuesday. Hosted by Amy Johnson, uh, you also have Patrick Williams and Rick Stevens that contribute, and they keep you up to date with everything to do with Laval Rocket and Habs prospects. We have one quote of the week, and this comes from Jake Allen. He appeared on the 32 Thoughts podcast, and uh, he had some nice things to say about a couple of his uh, fellow goaltenders that he's played alongside. I was really impressed. The first time I saw him, I know I saw a goalie that's already played 700 games in the NHL. You know, like (laughs) that's a lot of hockey. 700 hard games in the work that he put in day in, day out to get himself going, to get his body ready to be the best he could be at that time and in that position it, it was amazing and you know obviously he went through an injury at the start of the year and then for him to be able to just dial that back in for the playoffs to go on the run that he went on without playing for you know two months I could see him building and building to get to that point day in and day out it was just an unwavering focus once he got into the playoffs you know he's, he's a very lighthearted guy as you guys know he's very easy going he's one of the nicest guys he could be but you know, I could tell when he came to the rink in those playoffs, there was that focus, that relaxed confidence in him that I really knew that, you know, if the other guys pulled their weight, that we were going to have a good chance to win every single game. And you can just tell, I think, goalie to goalie, you know, in the goalie world that when guys have it, when they don't. And he had it. He reminded me of Binner in 2019. And mm-hmm. you just knew something good was going to happen. It's a very interesting conversation um, uh, with a full, um, almost an hour interview, um, uh, Elliot Friedman and, and Jake, uh, Jake Allen. And, and Jake Allen is a very thoughtful guy, and he's thought about, uh, he's thought about goaltending, he's thought about uh, his career, he's thought about all aspects. Um, and those comments were about Carey Price. Um, uh, Jake Allen was thrilled uh, to come to to Montreal, didn't know Carey Price, uh, but was thrilled that he got the opportunity and said that he learned so much from Price, um, and particularly uh, th- that season where the Canadians went um, all the way to the Stanley Cup final uh, for, for Price to be out uh, and then to come back for the playoffs. And I remember, <laughs> remember the Montreal media uh, saying how what a what a dumb move it was that that Jake Allen should start the playoffs and and how silly that seems now, um, <laughs> that it was it was uh, Carey Price who had this unwavering focus 
uh, and that put the team on his back and 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 carried them. And and he he went on to talk about when um, the team was down three one to Toronto, and and uh, he said that the players who led led them and gave them confidence. Carey Price number one, Shea Weber number two, Eric Stahl number three, um, and um, it, an incredible ride. And 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 you heard him uh, bring up the name of of uh, Bennington, uh, Jordan Bennington at, in 2019. Um, Elliot Friedman pressed uh, uh, Jake on on who he would choose to to have. Um, uh, you know the 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 talent of a Carey Price in 2020 or Bennington in 2019, and he said, you know, with all apologies to Bennington, Carey Price all day long. Um, some really interesting thoughts. Uh, he went on to uh, he was asked to to build the perfect goaltender, um, and he talked about Carey Price's mobility and his his strong skating ability that that um, makes him strong. Mar- uh, Martin Brodeur's uh, vision um, and uh, uh, Pecorine's glove hand, uh, uh, Ben Bishop's size. He he kind of built uh, the perfect goaltender. It was it was it was a fascinating conversation. Uh, probably worth your time to listen to. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought that uh, Pecorine and uh, Ben Bishop would have come up, but uh, interesting analysis coming uh, from Jake Allen uh, on that podcast. Uh, always a good listen uh, for an interview. But uh, like I mentioned uh, before, if uh, you were to build the perfect Bruin, I, I feel like Garnet Hathaway fits that mold perfectly. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the Boston Bruins acquired defenseman Dmitry Orlov and forward Garnet Hathaway from the Washington Capitals in exchange for forward Craig Smith, a first round pick in 2023, a third round pick in 2024, and a second round pick in 2025. Uh, I, I went into detail a little bit earlier, but great trade for the Bruins. They keep getting better. Um, absolutely. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting that uh, the Bruins had been so tied to Garakov um, that that I think uh, Columbus had had uh, uh, tied themselves to the Bruins and and the Bruins just weren't willing to pay the price Columbus was asking and they may have uh, done themselves a favor um, by um, by getting two players that uh, that really help uh, fill out that lineup. And interesting to note here, uh, Minnesota was involved in this trade uh, to hang on to some cap space. Uh, they received a later round pick. This is the second time that Minnesota has facilitated a trade and uh, hung on to a little bit of a cap hit. Uh, they were also a part of the Maple Leafs uh, trade for Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, we're told that that the Canadians tried to to uh, uh, get involved in those discussions. Both of those trades. We'll 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 investigate that a little bit further in our our big topic segment. Uh, but yes, um, the the Minnesota Wild uh, twice now uh, being uh, cap brokers and and being a third party uh, in two big trades um, uh, leading up to the deadline. Arizona Coyotes acquire defenseman Shea Weber and a fifth round draft pick at the 2023 NHL draft from the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Dyson Mayo. So you see uh, Shea Weber's contract getting moved around a little bit more. Uh, Dyson Mayo, maybe a depth defenseman for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, sounds like he's reporting to the AHL so far. Yeah, he's off to Henderson, and uh, and and this is uh, simply Arizona 
Arizona um, apparently was, um, there were discussions last year or, or when uh, Shea Weber's contract was, was traded to, to Vegas. Arizona was uh, um, part of that, but they had already committed a lot of uh, their caps. So uh, to, to get up to the floor, they've, uh, they've taken on Shea Weber's contract. And um, and and this is just a, a cap issue as as Weber uh, won't be back to the NHL. Won't uh, his his career is effectively done. So now that everyone's all up to date with the most recent NHL trades, uh, we will get you all set for what could be happening as we approach the NHL trade deadline in segment two. But first, uh, we have a little message from our sponsors, DraftKings. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Whether you're a fan of the Sixers, the Raptors, the Cavs, the Lakers, the Celtics, whatever your team is, you know, just line up a same game parlay and see what happens. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. And with me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. Make sure you give him a follow at All Habs on Twitter. Also, give us a follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, check out the website CanadiansConnection.com. Just a reminder here: hit that subscribe button and subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player on your favorite podcasting app. That way, you never miss a single episode. Now the trade deadline is among us. We're going to manage your expectations and talk about what the Montreal Canadiens could do as we approach that deadline. First here, though, I'm going to provide an update on the NHL trade board as we take a look at TSN's trade bait board. And it does not look like we have any Joel Edmondson on this list anymore, which is kind of unfortunate. We'll talk about that a little later, too. But coming in at number 32, uh, there's a new face on this board, and it is Evgeny Dadanov. And just a few spots behind him at number 36, we still see Sean Monahan, so it's good news that he's still up on that board. Uh, the top five right now uh, in order, Timo Meyer, Patrick Kane, Jacob Chikrin, Jake McCabe, and Vladislav Gavrikov. So lots of big names still to move before the deadline. Rick, I'm getting excited. I'm getting a little bit anxious about this one. For sure. 
um, and how things change when when um, we we look at the TSN uh, uh, trade bait board from February 10th. That's just two weeks ago. Um, number 10, number 10 on the board was Joel Edmondson. And now, as you said, he's disappeared completely uh, from the board. And, and Mon- uh, Sean Monahan has fallen for obvious reasons. But um, it, things change quickly. And, and um, so we've seen since then that the Montreal Canadiens are trying to manage expectations. Um, and, and a lot of this, you know, um, I, I think you have to kind of filter what's being said and recognize that some of this, some of these, the messages that are coming, the, the leaks, um, that are coming out, they relate to Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon trying to send messages to the other teams, to the other general managers, and trying to send, uh, messages to, uh, the fan base to make sure that um, expectations are adjusted, um, because th- there was, you know, we look we we've reviewed when we did our, our trade deadline primer, uh, we looked uh, first at what the Canadians uh, were able to do last year, and it, it was it, everything fell in, into place, and it was uh, we were full of compliments for Jeff Gorton and Kent Hughes uh, last year. Um, it has, things haven't played out the same way, but we still have those statements out there from Kent Hughes saying, I'd like to add a third first round pick. And given, um, the talent that's in this, this, uh, upcoming draft, the 2023 draft, we can understand why, um, this is still an important trade deadline, despite the fact that, that you've, you've heard all of these leaks, nothing's going to happen. Um, the Montreal Canadiens still would like to to, to uh, make some trades, make some moves, and maximize both the assets that they have uh, and uh, some of the cap uh, 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 cap assets that they have. Yeah, perhaps Kent Hughes's best move actually happened before the trade deadline in acquiring uh, Sean Monahan along with the first round draft pick. Uh, you look back to what happened last season. They he set a pretty high bar for himself as to what to expect as we approach the trade deadline. Things just don't seem to be lining up as perfectly as they did. Uh, with all the injuries going on with Monahan being injured with Joel Edmondson being injured. It's kind of unfortunate. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't think we ha- can have super high expectations, but there are quite a few things that this team can still do for sure. Absolutely. So what can they do? Well, uh, I think first and foremost, they could be a cap broker a la Minnesota Wild, do what they did and facilitate uh, some trades by hanging on to some cap hit. Uh, right now, Montreal has the least amount of cap space in the league, if you can believe it. Uh, but it does look like as we approach uh, the deadline, they could have a little bit less than $4 million, uh, available to use. So what we could see them do... Uh, if there are two teams trying to trade uh, for a pretty good player, but they can't make the money work, Montreal can step in, uh, maybe take on uh, a later round draft pick, uh, take that player, uh, retain some salary, and then uh, send them off to the uh, appropriate team. Do you think that's something that could happen, Rick? I think that's that's very likely. I think that sits in the very like, and and the evidence is that. They've been been uh, aggressively involved in in two big trades already, trying to be that third party broker. 
Um, so I think that's that's going to happen. Um, you know, there's been the word out that that they they want to be involved in. Um, uh, if if Patrick Kane goes uh, to the Rangers, that can um, uh, that Jeff Gordon will use his connections with the Rangers uh, to be involved in trying to facilitate that deal and take on some cap space, and so they could uh, bank an asset. Um, not a you know as we've seen with the what Minnesota's been able to extract. This isn't uh, these aren't first round pick kind of things, but um, uh, assets nonetheless, and and they want to be involved in that. Um, now we should just add a caveat here uh, that um, leading up to the trade deadline, uh, that teams can be involved um, and and retain cap. In three deals maximum, we saw last year at the trade deadline uh, that um, that that the Canadians used uh, used that to the max. They they retained cap on on three deals. Um, I expect that they're going to um, do that again, uh, but one of them might be as that third party broker, which leaves then if that's true, room only for two other deals where uh, they can retain cap. Oh, and that could play in nicely uh, to the first player name that we're going to bring up. Uh, and that's a guy by the name of Sean Monahan. Uh, so recently, uh, Mo- well, Martin St. Louis has said that uh, Monahan's injury simply plateaued. Uh, we've seen this past week, he's not been practicing with his teammates. There's no real word on if he's going to actually get back uh, before the trade deadline. Um, he's he was brought in to be uh, somebody that Ken Hughes could flip out again before the trade deadline. That's no secret. Uh, I I don't think that Montreal has any long-term plans for a Sean Monaghan. The fact that he was injured all the way back in December, it it sucks. That's not something you can really foresee. Um, But I think there's still a potential that uh, Sean Monaghan could be traded. Um, If he is traded, I I think Montreal should absolutely try to weaponize cap space and to retain some uh, of his cap hit uh, in order to get a better return. Uh, at this point, I don't think that return will be a first round pick or anything close to it. Uh, I think that there are some creative things that uh, Ken Hughes could do in uh, making the return potentially a conditional draft pick. The condition being that uh, Sean Monahan gets healthy and plays a certain amount of games, or it could just be a very, very late round draft pick in general. We'll see what happens there, but uh, with Monahan uh, being injured, there is, there is another forward that could be at play uh, by the name of Josh Anderson. Uh, Hughes has said that he's turned down offers on Josh Anderson. Uh, he says that he's received calls, but uh, there's some speculation that the price is a little bit too high there. Uh, this past week, uh, Chris Johnson uh, reported that, well, the quote from Chris Johnson here in regards to uh, Anderson uh, trade interest in Montreal is, I don't get the sense that the interest is quite uh, is, is there, quite honestly. That seems to be the rumor that won't go away out of Montreal, but it hasn't lined up with what I've heard league-wide. So, Rick, I'll uh, get you to chime in on your thoughts on Sean Monaghan and uh, Josh Anderson. So, um, with respect to Sean Monaghan, um, we talked about uh, conditional picks before talking about conditional picks was cool. In our, in, a month ago in our, <laughs> in our uh, 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 trade deadline primer, 
I raised the issue of of uh, of making a trade that would involve the conditional pick uh, for Sean Monahan, and um, that's that's quite possible, um, I think, because. Um, did Marty St. Louis provide a clue, um, did, you know, uh, when he used the word plateau? That to me sounds like um, it's, it's as good as it's going to get. So there's, there would be a guy, uh, a player who, um, who's uh, in the situation where uh, probably needs a, a procedure, and, and we're just speculating here, um, but it's it's to the point where he can play, and it's as good as it's going to get right now until um, until the off season. That's what it sounds like. Um, so a conditional and 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 what's the issue of a conditional pick? Well, it's um, it's uh, to trade a, a pick that's that's tied to the number of games played uh, or the number of playoff games played, um, and. You know, if if it was a healthy Sean Monahan, looking at what's left um, on the pile, um, he'd be the best uh, the best forward. Uh, you know, no question uh, remaining, and so he can contribute. Um, you know, is it wise for Sean Monahan to play in 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 his plateaued condition, quote unquote, um, with a, a team that's not going to make the playoffs and and you know, in the middle of the season. no, but could Sean Monahan play for a playoff bound team? Could he play for a, a team in the playoffs? Um, you know, m- much in the same way that um, Shea Weber played and Carey Price played. Um, is is that possible? Uh, it might be. Um, and so, those kinds of trades are hard to do. That would be that would be difficult for for Kent Hughes to do. But that's what he's paid for. He's not paid to do the easy trades. Um, he's 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 uh, paid to be creative, um, and uh, just just as we talked about with um, Dubas being creative last week um, in in bringing O'Reilly on when they didn't have the cap space to do it, um, uh, Kent Hughes would have to be creative in creating this um, this market for a. a, a, a a player who could be traded conditionally or, or uh, receive a conditional return. Uh, so that's why I think that, that he remains on, on this list and he remains on the, on the TSN trade list. Um, Cause it's, it's possible. Um, but if he can't trade Sean Monaghan and, and retain uh, cap space there, um, then why not Josh Anderson? Why not Josh? Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson is in uh, in demand. We heard that directly from uh, Kent Hughes. Uh, he said that uh, his phone is ringing off the hook for Josh Anderson. It, it may be that that he doesn't want to trade him right now. He'd love to have more um, bidders, and and that would come in the off season. And we've talked about the fact that that it would be ideal in the off season. Uh, before or after the draft, uh, to to uh, be able to to trade Josh Anderson, I know Josh Anderson is is an absolute favorite. I know that that Josh Anderson possesses pretty unique skills. He's got those three S's. He's got speed. He's got size. He's got skill. Very inconsistently. When do you when you see Josh Anderson, you think, wow, um, wow. 
Um, but then you don't see Josh Anderson for a month. Um, his deterrent in all this is, is going to be the contract. Um, his deterrent to some extent is going to be his inconsistency, but you know that general managers are thinking, well, he can ramp it up for the um, playoffs and be an effective, a very effective player for us. Um, I, th- I think what, what, what uh, the insiders are saying is that um, uh, Kent Hughes turned down a first-round pick uh, for, for Josh Anderson and that the price is uh, two top assets, a first-round pick and a, and a top prospect. That might be, that might be a big ask, a, a, an ask that's a bit too big. Um, but that would allow trading Anderson, uh, if, if Monaghan um, is not available, trading Anderson would allow um, Hughes to get that third first-round pick that he committed to um, uh, this, this past summer. Uh, said that's what he wants to, wants to get. Um, again, Fan favorites, well, fans uh, sometimes have to say goodbye to favorites um, in order to to uh, move the the organization again. And trading Josh Anderson um, is moving the the organization ahead, in, in my opinion. Yeah, Josh Anderson, a good player. I know a lot of people would think that he's an untouchable, but. For the very reason that Montreal is a non-playoff team in a rebuild and have not a whole lot of cap space, that's more than enough justification on my end to think that a Josh Anderson should get moved at some point here. Um, I I think it could be interesting to move him at the deadline. I don't know if it will happen. Uh, Like you mentioned, it might be better off to wait till the summer for that. Uh, going to the next guy on our list, and this was a guy that uh, I think we were all certain uh, around uh, November, December would be traded, but uh, it's not really seen that way. He's disappeared off the TSN trade bait board, and that is Joel Edmondson. Uh, he seems to be slowly progressing, but kind of in a similar situation as Sean Monahan, in that he has that label now, injury prone, injury prone attached to him. I don't think that there are going to be a ton of teams jumping up and down to try and get Joel Edmondson this year, but that might not be a terrible thing. Um, Montreal does have control of him. He's under contract for one more season. So this could be a situation where uh, you wait until next trade deadline. If things line up perfectly and uh, Edmondson is perfectly healthy by then, then maybe you go ahead and you trade him for your fourth or sorry, your first round pick. Um, I think back in uh, the late fall, early winter, it was being reported by a lot of different people that the Oilers were interested and there could be a first on the table for Edmondson. Um, I think that Kent Hughes maybe waited a little bit too long here and now Edmondson's at a point where uh, I don't think we're going to see him play a game before the deadline. Uh, Ricka, what are your thoughts on Edmondson? I think, uh, and and we've been very, very complimentary to Kent Hughes. I think with with respect to this file, um, he's made a mistake. And and listen, um, in each situation, it's a gamble. And and we know that that last trade deadline, that Kent Hughes held out to the very end um, and and got his price, got his very high price. Uh, for his assets and and he was and and he won the trade deadline he he um, he did uh, an amazing job this time around when you have um, uh, 
players going into the season who are you you know um, are have injury issues. Uh, Sean Monahan, Joel uh, Edmondson, and those players are also your biggest trade assets. Um, you can't you can't you can't approach uh, the trade deadline. Uh, in the same gambling way, or or there's the potential of losing, and I think I I don't I don't hold him at fault with respect to Sean Monahan. I do with Joel with respect to Joel Edmondson. I think um, uh, that uh, you know when you know in in our minds we kind of equate the two. We kind of think that you know Joel Edmondson has missed most of the season. We but uh, you know I when I take a look back. Joel Edmondson has played 39 games this season. 39 games this season. Um, that's that's in the ballpark of David Savard, um, who's played 45. Uh, that's the same as as a Michael Pozzetto or a Yuri Slavkovsky. 39 games. Um, he, when you look at the game log uh, for uh, Joel Edmondson, um, he. He's actually um, uh, he's been around. He, he's he played uh, through uh, all of December, um, um, all of November, um, almost all of January. Um, yes, he missed the, the 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 first month of most of the first month of the season, um, but he's been around for thirty nine games. Uh, and I know we heard from Kent Hughes saying. Uh, well, I'm I'm waiting until cap space frees up. I'm waiting for more bidders to come forward. Yes, I've had offers, but I'm going to wait. And I think he's he's waited and may have lost uh, with respect to to Edmondson. Um, and I think that that the issues uh, with Joel Edmondson, um, let's face it, are the same issues uh, as as he faced last year. And are likely the same issues of that he'll face next year. Uh, a back issue uh, just doesn't go away. So yes, uh, technically on paper, Joel Edmondson does have another um, um, year on his contract, and so uh, technically, um, you know, let's all be hopeful and that uh, can retain him and and make him available. Um, next year um, at the trade deadline, and hopefully his, his uh, injury situation is different, but it may not be. The other issue with that is um, may not be the same um, uh, quality of, of draft next year. The other issue with that is what happens. Uh, I think you also have to look at the effect that that Joel, that keeping Joel Edmondson next year and making sure he's in the lineup and making sure he's getting showcased, um, the effect that that has on on the Montreal Canadiens lineup. So who do you sit? I ask. I ask the listeners. Who do you sit? You're not going to sit Mike Matheson. That, um, you know, Kent Hughes has, has, has tied his train to Mike Matheson uh, in, in, in the big trade. Local boy, um, the 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 language issue, all of that. Mike Matheson is going to be in the lineup. Um, are you going to sit David Savard? Are you going to sit Joel Edmondson? Likely, those three, if healthy, will be in the lineup next year. So then, out of the net, the five players, 
Um, who are the three that you, you pick and who are the two that sit out of Gooley? You can't sit Gooley. Harris. Harris has been terrific. You can't sit him. Barron has been very good. Jackai Kovacevic. So are you sitting fan favorite um, Jackai and and uh, great waiver pickup in Kovacevic every game next year um, other than for injury replacements? And don't forget that the Canadians have already broadcast, have already signaled that Logan Mayu is on his way. Um, so you're going to put Logan Mayu in, in the AHL? Um, I think that that this is... This is the the failure to trade Joel Edmondson is going to have some repercussions here, um, and 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 unfortunately, I th- I'm I I label it a a, a mistake um, by the by the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, that's a really good point and good catch on your end. Uh, looking at the games played there, I think it, maybe there's some recency bias in this. We know that uh, Joel Edmondson was injured to start the year, and we know he's injured now. I think that we kind of just forget about this whole middle part where he was healthy and playing. So perhaps a misstep uh, by Kent Hughes, but who's the next guy online that could get traded on that back end if uh, Joel Edmondson is not getting moved? Maybe this could be a David Savard. We know he has cup experience. Uh, we know that maybe some teams would value that and uh, could be interested. Uh, I'll get your thoughts on uh, the potential of David Savard uh, getting moved over Joel Edmondson. The media love this guy. The, the media are saying, no, there's absolutely no chance in hell that David Savard uh, will be traded because they like him. Um, and and David Savard uh, serves serves a purpose, um, and he has served a purpose as a mentor. But if you're going forward next year with with Joel Edmondson, do you also need David Savard? And and Mike, do you need three mentors in the lineup? Um, I think that there would be if you can't trade a Joel Edmondson, or if you miss the window for trading Joel Edmondson. I think that that the Canadians need to move David Savard. Um, he's, he's, he's a big guy. He's, he blocks shots. Um, you put him as a third pairing defenseman and, and he's safe. He's the kind of guy that, that teams are going to be looking for just for similar reasons. Uh, the same reasons that they were looking for a Joel Edmondson, they'll be looking for a David Savard. And if you can't trade, uh, Edmondson, uh, you darn better trade David Savard. I agree <laughs> for sure. I, I certainly want to see one of these guys move before the deadline. Uh, the next guy on our list is actually a forward, a forward that I think has had a bit of a lackluster season, but he has interestingly enough uh, appeared on that TSN Trey Bay board, and that is Evgeny Dadnov. So he might not be the big fish, he might not be the Patrick Kane or the Timo Meyer. But once uh, some of these players move, uh, I think that they could turn to a very experienced Evgeny Dadanov, who has the reputation of being a pretty consistent goal scorer. This season seems to be maybe a blip in the radar. Uh, Prior to this, he's at least been on pace for 20 goals or more in a lot of consecutive seasons. And this could be a guy that uh, maybe the teams that don't have the assets to trade for the big fish uh, could be interested in. Uh, I, I don't know that uh, they're going to bring him in to be a top six guy, but certainly a good depth scorer for uh, teams to add to their bench, don't you think? I think so. I think um, Dadanoff, um, he's he's well-respected that he can, 
He can be plugged in 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 a number of different slots up and down the lineup, um, and and uh, contribute. There's a lot of of uh, confidence in him. Uh, we haven't seen that uh, a lot of that until recently. Uh, he's played pretty well, um, but I think that and 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 listen, you're not going to get a lot for uh, a dad and off. Uh, but I think that there's uh, a very high pr- probability that uh, that he'll have a new uh, address by the time the trade deadline is over. Yeah, I, I've said this jokingly off air a few times, but hey, if getting dad now for a seventh round pick, whoop, whoop. Uh, maybe if they hang on to some salary, we could turn that into a six. We'll see. Don't don't <laughs> trust in my abilities to predict a trade, though. <laughs> But uh, speaking of uh, a forward, uh, another guy that I think could be interesting for teams that has looked a lot better in his play in recent history is uh, Mike Hoffman. Uh, You have a very fast, a very talented forward, a guy with a big shot that could certainly help your power play. Uh, Hasn't really fit in well in uh, Montreal since coming here. But like I said, in recent history, I I think he's played pretty well. I I believe he also has more points than Josh Anderson does at this point in the season. Uh, What are your thoughts on the potential of Mike Hoffman getting moved? Um, there's, there's very little talk about Mike Hoffman and, and I wonder why, because, um, he has played since about the middle of January, he's played really well. Uh, and that seemed to coincide with, uh, additional opportunities with Cole Caulfield, uh, out of the lineup in the last eight games since January 31st, he has uh, nine points better in a, a point of game pace. Uh, you mentioned the comparison uh, with Josh Anderson, which, which there's a lot of buzz about. Um, he has two more points than Josh Anderson, and he's played 12 fewer games, uh, Mike Hoffman has, than Josh Anderson. So um, I, I think that, um, I, again, you're not going to get a lot, um, and, but, and, there's, and we should say that there's very little... Uh, you don't hear his name very much, but there's still a possibility, given that that somebody's been paying attention, noticed that he's heating up, that they'd like to uh, add him to the lineup. I agree. And I think the, the other point here with uh, Mike Hoffman, unlike a Dadanov, uh, Hoffman's under contract for another season. So I wonder if that maybe deters some teams that uh, might be looking more for a rental and maybe that makes it a little bit more difficult for Montreal to try and retain some salary too. But uh, pure speculation on my end for that. Now, uh, we're going to talk about a goaltender. Uh, th- this name keeps coming up uh, when we talk about trades. I've been saying it the whole time. No, <laughs> you, you cannot trade Jake Allen right now. Um, you just gave him a new contract. By far the best goaltender in the organization. Uh, there's no next up. There's no goalie of the future right now. Kent Hughes has said that uh, perhaps that's more of a challenge on the guys they currently have, but I think it holds true. You don't have another starting goaltender in this team. Unless there's a team out there that's going to give me a first round draft pick. I do not see a point in moving on from Jake Allen. What are your thoughts on this one, Rick? I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't, I don't see any reason why uh, the Canadians would trade Jake Allen. Um, but, but despite our protestations, his name keeps coming up. And I think this is, this is lobbying by, by the Montreal media. Uh, they want to clear the decks for, for Sam Montembeau. They're desperate for Sam Montembeau to be, 
given an opportunity to be the number one and um uh, you know that it would be easy uh, as you said nothing else in the in in uh, the organization so um, Jake Allen is the impediment here we include his name I think uh, that it's very unlikely uh, that he would uh, be moved we include his name only because uh, it's out there so much and but like I say I, I think that's that's more about the media than than there is um, um, his name coming up because there's interest from other teams. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said there by Rick. And uh, I think the final thing and probably the least likely, in my opinion, thing to happen is Montreal moving prospects and trading draft picks. I think that's what you want to bring into the organization, of course. There seems to be plenty of those uh, going around from buyers. But uh, I, I just I don't see a point in Montreal trying to trade some of their prospects unless there's a clear upgrade happening. I can see a scenario, though, where Montreal right now, we know we, that they have a ton of injuries. And I, I think that maybe, you know, you look at uh, the waiver wire to try and bring in some guys. They did that with Chris Tierney. Maybe there's more guys hitting the waiver wire this coming week. But uh, Montreal, not a ton of of uh, cap flexibility i think there is a possibility though uh, although very minuscule i think there is a possibility that montreal might trade a very low level prospect or a very late draft pick to bring in some depth uh, help uh, keep some bodies uh, in the nhl help uh, laval keep some bodies down in the ahl uh rick i'll get you to weigh on this weigh in on this as well it's it's interesting uh because uh is Kent Hughes open to trading prospects and draft picks? Yes, he said so. He said, we can't, we can't, we can't bring all of these draft picks into the organization. Um, what, we, what we aim to do is uh, put them together and, and accelerate the rebuild as they did with Kirby Doc. Is the trade deadline the best time to do that? No. Um, it, it's likely to, to happen uh, closer to the draft or, or in the summer, where they would, um, as they did with Kirby Doc, uh, see an um, underachieving uh, um, young player with another team um, and, uh, and, and provide uh, you know, draft picks in, in order to bring that player in. So all of that is possible. I just don't see it happen, happening at the, uh, at the trade deadline. Um, and, and yes, I think, I think that there's uh, an issue uh, wanting to, uh, is there a possibility that they'll make a, an AHL level trade? For sure. Um, I think that, um, as mentioned earlier, um, that, that they want to protect the Laval Rocket. They want, uh, they want one of their, their teams in the playoffs. That would, the, the easiest one uh, this year, or um, the most likely is, is, Laval, and so if they can make a move to shore up Laval or to prevent um, uh, another call up, um, you know that would weaken Laval. Um, I think that that there are minor minor moves that uh, that might um, uh, that that that's that's entirely possible. 
Yeah, Montreal is at a point where they have had to call up and keep Alex Belzil in the lineup. So if that gives you an indication as to how desperate they are for bodies, uh, unfortunately, with the dock going out with injury and uh, bringing Chris Tierney, it uh, didn't line up perfectly for Belzil to get sent back down. But I'm at a point where I don't think there's enough depth on this roster until Belzil goes back down to the AHL. And I think that's a fair thing to say. Uh, I will also say I, I, it's not a complete disagreement to, with Kent Hughes, but I, my opinion is that when you're a team that's rebuilding, you do collect as many of those draft picks as you possibly can. Uh, you collect as many of those prospects as you possibly can, knowing that not everybody is going to pan out. I've heard teams before say that, oh, well, we can't just draft 13 guys in the draft my, my opinion is that yes you can because that's a better chance of getting a player um and look at you know in the, in the case of the ottawa senators i've heard pierre dorian say many occasions that oh well we have all these draft picks already and look there's still a ton of holes in their lineup so you you can never have enough draft picks in my opinion but uh, I think Kent Hughes may be trying to fast track the rebuild a little bit i understand why he might have interest and bringing in somebody a lot further along, but but that would make more sense uh, in the summer, like you said. We have a trade to announce. We have a trade to announce. Well, Uh-oh. we were talking about goalie trades. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche have acquired goaltender, wait for the drum roll, Keith Kincaid from the Boston Bruins. Okay. <laughs> in exchange for forward Shane Bowers. Uh, so, yes. Oh, Shane Bowers. I remember him. That's a guy that's been floating around. Part of the Duchesne trade. <laughs> First round pet draft pick. <laughs> so our dear, beloved Keith Kincaid will report to the Colorado Eagles, uh, the um, – AHL affiliate of the Colorado Avalanche. So you had me all excited. Sorry, for, uh, sorry, Patrick sorry. Kane, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all good though. That's a, I guess a minor transaction, a depth goalie for uh, the Colorado Avalanche. We know last playoff they had a lot of injuries in goal with uh, Darcy Kemper not being available the entire time. So I can see where that makes sense, but this is probably more for the AHL if uh, Shane Bowers is involved in that. And a little bit of a tie-in with Keith Kincaid. So a, l- a little yeah. bit of fun and a bit of, of a light moment to uh, uh, wind up our, our our trade deadline preview that uh, we've done here today. Yeah, I do think there is one more uh, little point here. Oh. We've touched on it uh, briefly. And that uh, the headline coming out of the trade deadline could be more about the players that didn't actually get moved. Uh, we're talking about the Gavrikov and the Chikrin yeah. and uh, potentially the Timo Meyer where it seems like the asking price is very high, and this relates to some of Montreal's assets as well. Well, and 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 it's and it's good. And thanks for the reminder about that, because um, uh, you know the um, the asking prices. Um, it, it's 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 again, it's this this game of 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 chicken. Uh, and 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 when do you when do you um, when is is too long and we've seen it with with Columbus hanging on too long demanding too much um they they thought that they were going to be the dance partner with Boston and Gavrikov um is is uh, Kent Hughes you know uh, flirting with danger uh that that uh, whether it's with respect to to Anderson um or uh w- with respect to waiting too long with with Edmondson 
um, or with not being willing to to take a conditional pick for for Sean Monahan, um, is is he in danger of of having a bad trade deadline um, because uh, uh, he demanded too much at the trade deadline and he's he's uh, going to be left at the altar um, with his bouquet and 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 no dan and and no no groom there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very possible that might be kind of the uh, the subplot, uh, and it's something we should definitely watch for coming up to the trade deadline. Yeah, so we turn it over to our listeners. In your opinion, who must go? Bottom line, who does Kent Hughes need to trade by Friday? We'll ask this again in our uh, Have Your Say segment, but for now, uh, we're going to take our final break here on Canadians Connection. Stay with us. This is Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Hey friends, you know, this time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time pretty unrealistic. Like, you know, how many of us are really going to stick to that New Year's resolution that we're only going to eat salad for lunch every day this year? I doubt it. I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a part of a big change if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. In the studio, whether I'm recording a podcast, whether I'm working as a voice actor, I have big, heavy studio headphones on for all of those types of things. The great thing about my Raycons is when I just need some casual listening for audio if I'm working, if I'm writing, doing something like that, and I just want to listen to a podcast uh, like those here at Rocket Sports Radio, or if I just want to listen to some music in the background, my Raycons are wireless, they're small, they fit in my ears perfectly, which is always an issue for me with in-bud earphones. So whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon's start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each, or a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. Um, Some of the things I love about my Raycons, I love the customizable sound profiles, uh, tap functions on the sides of the earbuds. I love the awareness mode because I don't want to tune out necessarily what's going on around me. So you can turn on awareness mode, which allows some of the ambient sound around you in the room that you're in or where you're, whatever your environment is to seep in so that you can still hear what's going on around. They're water and sweat resistant. So if you want to use them when you're working out, that's great too. So are you ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. (laughs) 
Welcome back to episode 232 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and check out the website, CanadiansConnection.com. Also, feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line. It's at 5853ROCKET. That's 5853ROCKET. So if you have any thoughts on your mind, let us know. We want to hear it. And Rick... Man, coming up on this trade deadline, it's going to be a struggle to keep track of everything going on with the Habs, isn't it? And it is. And especially this week, given the the way the schedule uh, plays out, uh, the Habs playing Thursday and Friday, um, the deadline on a Friday, um, which is, yeah. is a bit <laughs> unusual. Uh, but that makes next week's podcast an absolute must-listen um, because uh, there's going to be a lot going on this week and, and a lot going to, um, going to be going on right up until uh, prior to uh, next week's podcast. Yeah, so get everything you need to know from Rocket Sports. First and foremost, you're going to want to head over to allhabs.net and check out Christie's weekly notepad. That comes out every Monday, and he details anything and everything to do with the Montreal Canadiens that has gone on over the last little while. Great, great weed, and that's your best way to stay up to date heading into your week. Also, we do have a feature coming in this week entitled, Can the Habs Build a Winning Culture? And it's a good question. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on this feature? Well, it, it's uh, it's something that, that uh, Jeff Gorton and Kent Hughes have talked about sustainable winning, building that that winning culture, and uh, and they're attacking the organization from all different sides, trying to make sure that that uh, will happen. We had a um, a, a guest writer um, uh, contribute that for last week. Upcoming, uh, Gustav is working on a piece on uh, the the Canadians' defense core. Uh, so there's always features coming out at allhabs.net. Also, if you like your content in a video form, head over to YouTube and subscribe to the All Habs uh, Magazine YouTube channel. Just search at All Habs in the search bar and you will be able to pull it up weekly. Amy Johnson hosts the Habs Hockey Report. This last uh, episode was entitled Trade Deadline Drama. So make sure you check that out and check out all the other videos that Amy has put out. Hit that subscribe button uh, so that you never miss a single episode. Those come out every Thursday. Also, hit the like button if you like what you uh, watched, and leave a comment. Amy loves to engage with all her viewers. Uh, She will respond to any and all comments, and if your comment is uh, liked enough, she might even read it on air. So make sure you head over to the All Habs YouTube channel. Just search at All Habs. Also, make sure you're subscribed to both of our Rocket Sports Radio podcasts on your favorite podcast app. Every Tuesday, The Press Zone, hosted by Amy Johnson, comes out. You can find that at thepresszone.fm. Our AHL guru, Patrick Williams, also contributes to that, and you also get some Rick Stevens on there. So if you want to know everything about the Habs prospects, everything Laval Rocket and the AHL, make sure you listen to The Press Zone. And also, this podcast, The Canadian's Connection, if you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button now. We come out every single Saturday throughout the year, even through the summer when those other podcasts stop happening. You can also check us out at canadiansconnection.fm. If there were any episodes you missed leading up to this trade deadline, I would recommend going back and listening to those so that you're all prepared heading into trade deadline week. 
So now it's a good time to get to our Canadians Connection question of the week. And the question is, who must go? Bottom line, who does Kent Hughes need to trade by Friday? We want to hear from you. And uh, Rick, what's the best way for people to reach out and let us know? Well, you can do it any number of ways. You can reach out to us on social media. You can text us at the Rocket Sports text line 5853ROCKET. You can send us an email, info at allhabs.net. Uh, we want to hear from you. And and this is, um, no, this is just... We're going to hear about non-tradable players. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure we're going to. There's going to be some Jonathan Durans in there. Um, we've had uh, Brendan Gallagher uh, suggested as a trade. Th- those those trades are, are are not going to happen or unlikely to happen. Um, but but who who must go for it to be a successful trade deadline for Kent Hughes? But uh, besides the trade deadline, it is a pretty busy schedule for the Montreal Canadiens coming up this week, uh, starting today on Saturday, February the 25th. Uh, Ottawa is at Montreal. And, well, you're going to hear my picks this week. Uh, the last few weeks, you got to hear from our Rocket Sports contributors, Sam Gerber and Cole Uzenic, uh, who they think will win the games. They also predicted the scores. This week, I'm going to take the spotlight here. And I am predicting, and people are going to hate this first one, uh, I'm predicting a 4-2-2 Ottawa win. Uh, Montreal not had a whole lot of luck against Ottawa this year. Uh, Ottawa has really had their number, which is why I'm predicting that 4-2 Ottawa win. But rest assured, a couple days later, uh, when Montreal goes to visit uh, San Jose on the 28th, I'm predicting a 4-2 Montreal win. So you can be happy about that one. And, uh, of course, a couple days later on the 2nd of March, uh, when Montreal is in Los Angeles to face the Kings, I'm predicting a 3-2 to two Montreal win. So a little bit of positivity for you, but uh, to end that week on the 3rd of March, Montreal and Anaheim, I'm actually predicting a 3-1 to one Anaheim win. So you can uh, be mad at me for that one. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on some of these picks? you like them? Uh, I do. And, and the interesting thing is, uh, particularly with the Anaheim, uh, game that that game takes place on Friday. That game takes place after the trade deadline. Yeah. It's actually a late ten o'clock start. Uh, there's there's the late ten thirty start in Los Angeles the night before. Who's going to be in the lineup? That's going to be the biggest question. Yeah. Um, who is going to be in the in a Montreal Canadian sweater by Friday uh, when they play Anaheim? Um, and and that's why you want to tune in next week uh, to the Canadians Connection. Absolutely. So get ready for puck drop. Read every complete preview for every Habs game at allhabs.net. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player on your favorite podcast app. Also share on social media if you like what you heard. Enjoy the week. We'll be back here next Saturday, March the 4th, for another great episode. It'll be our trade deadline recap. Thank you all for listening. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. Canadians.